Yo, people. Yo, 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 yo. Um, oh, my God. It's the sunniest day. It's March the 8th right now, um, Monday. Uh, the kids are back in school. I can't hear them any more because I live quite close to a school. Um, can't hear them anymore. So um, thank fucking Worcester for that. Um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks since my last little uh, like exemplar recording. You know, like one of those one of those starter outy ones. And um, I don't know. It's been an eye-opening time. I'd say. Um, a real eye-opening time. We're near the end, hopefully, of COVID-19. I'm not sure about COVID-20. <laughs> um, hopefully that doesn't come around, a variant or something. But, um, nah, it's just... Oh, it's been a mad one, isn't it? I'm going to crack open the pistachios, actually, because why not? They're nearly out. So I'm going to crack open the pistachios. It's going to be like an ASMR video. Video? Podcast? With a... Oh, I can't even get it. I just chopped my fingernails. With it's gonna be like an ASMR video on recording. Can you believe it? Um Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Jordan B. Peterson lately, that icon he is. He's been really eye-opening. Um He's helped me love a good debate. I don't know if he has for anyone else which is any anyone else which is listening, feel free to message me or something if you can i don't know and tell me what, what his effects had on you because it yeah really eye-opening as to kind of i watch a lot of his videos listen to a lot of his podcasts etc and he's he's seriously ill at the moment actually i think he's got covid and he's um he's taking it quite hard really but um as a man would do it to his age that's that's not that surprising i worked on a lot of covid wards where men have had in some cases have have it far worse off. Have in some cases had have it far better off. I think he's relatively healthy though, so I think it should be alright. I'm not sure, but no, it really helped me to love a good debate. I guess my family not liking it because I've I've been really hot on it when it comes to having a debate about sense. Not because I disagree with their points, but because why not? Uh, for instance, my um, my sister, no, it wasn't my sister, my auntie, we was on a family group chat, she brought this up about how black women are five times more likely to, ha- uh, to die in birth than white women. And, no, it wasn't my sister, I don't know who it was, um, someone else on the group chat, basically put straight in and said well it's unconscious bias this is why it is it's unconscious bias and i was like i was like see i am in the medical profession i am i'm a hca or um i'd say it's i'm a medical hca so i guess i work in surgery i work in surgical wards i work in dementia wards i work all over the place and um i guess i guess Unconscious bias in the workplace, in the medical profession, uh, it's been has been a kind of useful. Oh, sorry, I got a text. Oh, who, who wants me? At Tesco. Yeah, I think I think I. Oh, I wonder what we. Yeah, I, I don't know. Really. Um, I don't care if you're at Tesco. Dad. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I don't think I need anything actually from Tesco. Pistachios. <laughs> um, anyway, where else I was going? Because that was uh, that was knocking me off course. Um, I kind of looked at it and I said to myself, 
I'm cautious bias in the workplace, meaning that black people are being maybe marginalised or they're made to feel made to feel like they're not being heard. And I'm not saying it isn't true, but I'm saying what I counterpointed it with was I'm saying maybe it's not all just that. Maybe we're not all a bunch of. I mean, don't get me wrong. A good percentage of people, I'm not. I'm not one of them. Are have racism. I think um, somewhere in their hearts, which of course shouldn't be there, but um, as a product of their upbringing or whatever, um, their parents echoed on them a sense of racism. Uh, for either white people, black people, whatever. Um, but I looked up to a statistic, and it said that black women are sixty percent more likely to have preeclampsia than white women and I brought that up in the conversation and it it, it wasn't really it wasn't really noted but it, it's a horrible statistic to think that black women are have that because of course preeclampsia is renal dysfunction and it's uh, high blood pressure which is not very good in terms of postnatal sort of life really I guess um after having a baby, you don't want to start having more problems. I mean, having a baby was a, a problem in itself, trying to fit that thing between your legs, um, and commendable, etc. But I don't know. I don't know if anyone can agree with me. I just couldn't see that it was all to do with sort of the unconscious bias sort of... It, in a psychologist's term, unconscious bias is, a, is like an unconscious prejudice, to my knowledge, towards, for the psychology that I've studied, is... Is an unconscious. Pre- Feel free to correct me though, because I'm I'm an open book. I'm an open, I mean open book as in like I'm welcome to any knowledge. Um, it's an unconscious prejudice towards a particular like, group of people or a person that is, and um, it doesn't seem to me that people in the medical profession are going out their way to be racist or be or not allow people to be heard. There was one instance about Beyonce and another instance about Serena Williams where they don't feel like they're being heard. And it was based in the news and they were exemplifying it as a point of the fact that these people, these amazing women, idols, icons, bloody love both of them, they're amazing people, I think, that the products of what happened to them was due to racism kind of pretty much or prejudice against them as black women and i'm saying maybe we don't generalize it to the entire population we say there's a set of doctors nurses which were against them and point the finger at every person in the medical populace uh populace um and say that well if you're prejudiced towards black people um maybe maybe we put it to the group and we say that group which dealt with them, they, they've got quite a problem. Um, if they chose to, let's say with Serena Williams' pulmonary embolism after birth, they chose to just dismiss that. Maybe they've got a problem when it comes to that. Maybe it's not because... Maybe it's not because they're prejudiced. Maybe it's just because they're idiots, on what I'm kind of saying, really. Maybe, uh, maybe that's it, but... It doesn't mean on the other side of the world that that's happening because of that reason as well. That the racing, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a kind of a good couple of things. I think, and these 
percentage chances are a bit more. Unconscious biases, of course, I've seen it in the. I've seen it in the medical. Uh, I've seen it in the medical profession in kind of weird sort of instances with white people and groups of people. Like on my first, I worked in a. I worked in a, a, an amazing ward, uh, Freshfield ward, um, in Winchester, and um, they. Um, Oh, they were amazing. So it's, it's, it was like a dementia geriatric ward or something. I worked there for about some. I don't work there anymore, but um, they're an amazing ward. If anyone listening actually lives local to there, um, I don't live that local to there, but um, who um, yeah lives local there and wants to work in a hospital. Oh, it changed your life. I mean, they were geriatric, but then there was palliation and there was. There was people who were on their last final hours of life, and there was people who were aggressive. There was kind of much more poorly people, and everything was coming through. All the odds and ends, which no one wanted to deal with, the rest of the hospital came through that ward. And I feel like, and it, the staff definitely felt it as well. And it just, it just gave you a different, gave you a different set of things about life to deal with. You looked at it and you were like, and you looked at your day-to-day basis when you got your hand over in the morning and you started patient washes of these people which are generally some of these amazing people, the most amazing. I was with a... I was on Christmas, on Christmas Day with a lady who was in because she had, I think it was renal dysfunction, actually. She had a catheter in still and she needed to have it out before she went home with the family. I took her home, she was twocked, which means basically they've taken it out and they're going to sit and monitor it because if she has urinary retention or whatever it is, um, urinary retention meaning that she's withholding wee, she can't get it out, maybe it's all being very retensive. Um all holding in a bladder that they need to put one in again. Um, I think it was for that reason, but she was telling me a story about her childhood and it was forever stuck with me and that it was that she was in Singapore or something. She was helping out in the Vietnamese War, I think it was, or something. Um, And the only thing stopping her from going home was thousands and millions and thousands of butterflies flooding this airport. They couldn't, this military airport, they couldn't get home. And so they were out with nets trying to sort of swoop them up and then kind of shove them over the fence, kind of get them out of the airport. (coughs) (coughs) Oh, sorry. Just breathed in a bloody pistachio. (coughs) Oh, God, Jesus Christ. But um, how weird of a memory is that? That is a bizarre memory. The lady on Christmas Day. Weirdly enough, um, she was in three days later because <laughs> she had a D- uh, DVT. Uh, she she didn't have a DVT. Um, she had huge swelling on her legs. Her legs came back in about three times the size. I was like, Jesus, what's going on here? But um, and then we dealt with her again, and then we haven't seen her since. Oh, I haven't seen her since anyway. But uh, they're quite. Recurring people would go back there, I think. Maybe um, they are. Freshfield used to deal with them in a way where they stay at the place and they they kind of they're sorted for for a a good length of time. This is a bit well. 
And oh my god, um, there's loads of different other things which go on. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it to anyone who thinks about working in the medical profession. Go and work as a HCA. It is just uh, one of the things I try to do is sort of rattle out rather than what I want to do in life. I rattle out what I don't want to do in life. Being in a hospital is one of them, but that's just because I can't do the job. Uh, I can't do the job. I can't do seven to half sevens three days a week. That's just, it may feel like it's better than nine to fives, but uh, it's, it's not. Or nine to fives, or I, I don't know, eight to fours, or whatever you do. Um, it's not better. It's not better. Sometimes having that good proportion of eight to four is good for getting you in a mindset seven to half seven it's your day it's your day and it's gone you come back and you're absolutely based upon if you work in a geriatric ward especially which is what i was working in you just have no energy you have a huge line in the morning it's about 10 o'clock leading on to 11 you don't want to do much because you're out of energy and then the next day after that you're back to normal but then on the thursday let's say so tuesday and wednesday you have off on the thursday you're back to it again but then you're kind of over it, not kind of over it, over the Monday, because there's a lot of stuff that went on, not just physically, but emotionally as well. I mean, throughout COVID, I, I don't know, the, the the amount of bodies you have to put into body bags and shove in, I mean, I'm only 19, I, I haven't really seen those things before, but um, about the, and the people which just, you thought were going to get out of this COVID pneumonia, and they just they just they just wallops back into a hole and they're gone and it's uh, um, people in their 50s people in their in their 60s and a minority of people in their 40s but yeah and yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a weird one but going back to the original point I think of B. Peterson and his glory but um, just working generally in that medical profession people aren't going out of their way actually out of all things people aren't going out of their way to be prejudiced towards other people the only thing I see nurses do sometimes is is patients in the yeah the rare instance patients which are very hard work they'll either try and get them somewhere else they'll try and get them relevant help if they're good or they'll help them themselves or they'll try and leave the HCAs to do it. They'll be like, yeah, they say it's a one-to-one lady with dementia, and she's uh, like the eye uh, the other day. Um, she was just crying her eyes out all day, all all night long, really, because she was so worried for some reason. And the nurse just didn't really want to deal with it, which fair enough. You have a hard job as it is, so I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I know it sounds like I'm complaining, but I always sound like I'm complaining, really. Um, I'm not complaining, I just think, yeah, you have a hard job, so I went and dealt with the patient, kind of, pretty much, that's the, that's what I, what I like to think of it, I, I went and dealt with the patient, and this, this, these patients and stuff, are just, they take a lot of work, and I don't think that a nurse as a whole, and medical professionals as a whole, they don't go out of their way to be prejudiced, or unconsciously, the only guy out of the way to be unconsciously biased is in the fact I was looking at this systematic review about unconscious bias, and he talks about how in paediatrics 
uh, white males, which are uh, white males, which are uh, of adolescence, coming into hospital with a series of problems in relation to their lungs. Uh, they might write it off as being cystic, cystic fibrosis because cystic fibrosis isn't. I'm not sure cystic fibrosis is really just a slap, bam, wham. That cystic fibrosis. Maybe it's a cystic fibrosis is a. Uh, it's like a holistic thing, almost like diagnosis of autism. Diagnosis of autism comes. You, you have to ask people from every background, to my knowledge, um, as to whether that person's autistic. I think there is a few tests out there, but. And there may be, I may be completely wrong, I mean, but tell me some information if you if you have uh, knowledge I don't about the information of this subject. But um, I think it's a holistic diagnosis you have to give for people with autism, same with cystic fibrosis, I'm not sure. But um, maybe there might be a better way, but they've got medication out for it anyway, from, by, I think it's a Vertex drugs company. But they, they say they unconsciously, and with black people, they... Black people are ten times more likely to get sickle cell anemia. I think it's called sickle cell anemia. Ten times more likely. Person, I don't. I, why do they? Why do they get this horrible? This horrible sort of t- statistics. Why is that ten times more likely on black people? Is that just due to genetics? I don't know. But once again, represent some knowledge. Um, represent some knowledge. Feed me some knowledge. Or. Um, Feed me your newfound knowledge, which you've have a look on the internet. Why is this it? If you have sickle cell anemia, why did they say you have it? No, like, and how can people like me, just average age people, help? I mean, I am a blood. Do- um, I I donate blood. Like I think everyone should donate blood. And if you don't donate blood, why don't you? And if it's because you work a nine to five job, then ninety percent of ninety nine percent of the world does. Why not? Why not? give some blood i mean we're the only we're the only country a country where a handful of countries around the globe which do i don't think they're given any blood in places of war are they they're not they're not passing off and giving blood down there they've got more important things to worry about and people of famine and hunger etc they've got more important things to work about than bloody Then bloody, uh, bloody blood, <laughs> bloody pint of blood. But yeah, so I'd recommend it. But what what can you do to help? Horrible statistics like that for poor, poor black UK citizens, which are ten times more likely and suffer from sickle cell anemia. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess it's just maybe just give blood or something. But. Um, do statistics so what they do for someone sorry uh, to further explain really what they do for someone who is t- uh, black people who are 10 times more likely to have sickle cell anemia than white people when they come in with a lot of bone problems etc and repetitive bone problems like the white people come in with a lot of lung problems the white males they said on the systematic review that they unconsciously were biased towards what they thought they had so they'd immediately go Wham, bam, span, you've probably got sickle cell anemia because a lot of the patients which walk through, which are of a, the, 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 which are of the same skin colour, which are black, are then, are, uh, a high proportion of them are, do have sickle cell anemia, so therefore you have sickle cell anemia. And that's, I don't think because the doctors which are doing it are racist, uh, but I think it's because as an evolutionary sort of 
an evolutionary sort of problem in which we have is we we have to categorize everything that's a way in which we survive you have to if you're in a war and you're um, a, a med vet whether you're in whatever parameters of life male female white black whatever is you have to categorize which is going to be you have to do triage which is going to be the easiest patient to save and or which is going to be and who's going to be the who's going to die by the time you walk over to them or run over to them and same with same that's in a and e as well that's also in that's also in teams a lot of the teams in school they will um I, I'm, I'm not about to say that <laughs> they um, they separate out people's skin color i'm saying that they sometimes separate men and female don't they they instantly categorize them that's it that's an easy category to make when you're in a school pe kit i don't know if, when you're in a school pe class i don't know if you have that if you're in um i, I definitely have it in the uk where they go oh girls over there boys over there etc when you were in or like a family, family dudes or something like girls over there, boys over there. We'll do girls versus boys. We'll do, we'll do men versus women, whatever. We'll do, um, we'll do blondes versus brown hairs. You know, well, it's like an instant category to make something. Otherwise, people have arguments about what teams they want to go on, etc. I don't know. This is my fit for thought, really. But um, and then they. It's not the best survival tactic to categorize when you're out in the wild as to what you want to eat first to keep you hungry for more. If you've got a dead bear in front of you, which has died with an, in an attack with another bear or whatever, um, compared to a cherry tree, which is, yeah, the cherries you can eat, you're going to go for the bear, but you're going to categorize that that probably is a finer source of food, even though I imagine the cherries might be a finer source of food. Maybe they might kill you, though, after a while. Uh, depends upon the cherries, really. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's this separation into categories. Should we look it up? Should we look it up? Let's have a look. Why do humans... categorize things it allows for organization of objects and ideas that exist around them and simplify their understanding of the world so it allows for a simplification of understanding so it's important in learning prediction inference decision making language and many forms of organisms interaction with environments that is a bloody lot of things so I'd make I make the statement that that it's only a Google, but I imagine they probably would have gone into that in any sort of test or study, and there'd be rid of an evidence that that is a thing. I've I've only looked it up on Google to give you a rough estimation, estimation of rough reasoning, I guess. But no, it's interesting, isn't it? It's really interesting. But yeah. Another thing which B. Peterson was talking about was it was on a Joe Rogan podcast, I think it was. I was on a run yesterday. Was um, ah, oh, what was it? It was about articulation of memories. If this is something I recommend to everyone, he had a future authoring program or something. It was to write down on a piece of paper, not diary, a big piece of paper, a notebook or whatever. Just start writing 
your negative memories in the past, ones in which cause you pain, one in which cause they make your heart sink when you think about them. If it's your parents divorcing, if it's something in which I know your dad did to you when you were young, that sounds really wrong, but I mean from a point of the fact that something in which something which you can't get away from, something which maybe your friend did. Maybe there's a night, I have a night, where um, I completely just went on a run out as a drunk and then I just started crying in the middle of nowhere. Just, just n- no idea why. Just went went on an absolute runner and started crying in the middle of nowhere. Couldn't get back. I had a call from my other half, like crying her eyes out. And I was like, I was like, I'm on my way back. And I literally sprinted for about 20 minutes. After having copious amounts of alcohol, I think I was the most de... And then I cried my eyes out more when I got to her. I was the most dehydrated I've ever been. Now, that doesn't... I've talked about that so much. It doesn't cause me pain. And what he basically said was, you need to articulate these... If you haven't articulated them, and they're over 18 months before... uh, In terms of memory, so they're 18... More than 18 months ago. Let's say three years ago. Or 19 months ago, so <laughs> then you need to articulate the memory. Otherwise, you get you get baggage. He called it. I don't know what he means, baggage, but he said you get sort of this emotional baggage where you basically you get this emotional baggage where it can cause you to stress out very easily and stuff, and it's it's like a weight you carry. And I think I pull really to that, because I feel like it's it's coming on the lines of what we need to do, is we need to let everything go. We need to, we need to sort ourselves out. And I see a lot of people which are, they, they get into these groups at school, and they, they start, there was a, group of girls and I think one transgender boy which started shouting the olds to everyone at the school. No one really wanted to listen. Not because they didn't accept the viewpoints, but because those people thought they were better than everyone else. But those people had various problems which they kind of were open to, but they were open to telling everyone. But they didn't really sort themselves out. They kind of just carried on conveying their points about all of this and all of that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, freedom of speech and all that. They can do what they like. But I mean, from his point of view, you should sort yourself out and you should sort your life out and make sure you're cool. Make your bed every morning and tidy up after yourself and make something of yourself and have these responsibilities because... Oh, 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 something cool, ladies and gentlemen. If there's any of you boys or girls out there which are... You are at your male man's house, me and my other half. Of course, we sleep on two single beds since the start of the pandemic. She's come to live with me. We sleep on two single beds, which are whacked together. They are smooshed together. And, of course, you've got the dippy bit in the middle, haven't you? You've got the dippy bit in the middle. You've got where, you're, where the left side of the bed is higher than the right, uh, higher than the right side of the bed, because the right side of the bed's in the middle, so... Um, We've literally got two mattresses stacked on top of each other. So about four mattresses. And what we've done is we've bought a mattress connector. They're like 20 quid. They are a beautiful piece of kit. And it's like this memory foam connector which goes down the middle. It's like a lip. And it has like a lip in it. And it slots in the crack. 
that sounds bad. Uh, and then it has a buckle which goes around the edge. Wouldn't say it works very well, but not gonna lie, I'm happy because you go you put the buckle around the edge of the mattress, right? And it's cool that that happens. But the the only uncool thing, I guess, is sometimes because they're such thin mattresses from IKEA, they the buckle comes off easy. But night sleep was oh it was banging but um i guess yeah yeah i guess it was banging i guess it was nice but uh, <laughs> it was nice it was nice um it was much better because because of this mattress connector it felt like an actual king size bed because of course two singles together make this super king size bed so it was it's kind of like a cheap shit way of sorting your life out really in terms of sorting your sleep out sorting your life out can consist of self-help self-help is the art of taking care of yourself and uh in my mind or helping yourself out whenever you get in struggles such as when I was in emotional support uh, in year, I think it was year 9, year 10, um, this Elsa, I think they're called, emotional learning support assistant or something, um, which I just went to see it. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not learning support. I'm not that idiosyncratic. Um, I don't think I'm idiosyncratic um, of, a, of an idiosyncratic nature. I have no congenital or illnesses, etc. Um illnesses or diseases or uh, nothing really you know what i mean but not in a rude way and that's what i'm trying to say um is that i went to see it because i was a, a little bit sad as a child i guess and um i guess one of the things was oh it sounds like i haven't fully articulated my memories you know um one of the things was she would say to me, you need to get a first aid box. For anyone listening who's like had a, like a, the microphone's changed for some reason. Uh, the, I've just pulled the plug out. <laughs> I've just pulled the cable out the side of the uh, side of my headphones. So um, if it sounds like the microphone's changed and it's a little bit shitter, it probably is. I'm going to see if I can connect it actually. How's that? I don't know. We'll hopefully go for that. Hopefully, hopefully it's changed back to the headphones now. But I guess I was a little bit sad as a child. Uh, hormonal, I say. I was in a very hormonal time. It made me very sad. It happens to a lot of people. Um, I guess I've articulated that memory. It's just it's just hard to put into, into words, really. But she said, "You need a first aid box." I'd get a first aid emotional box. I she said, "I always have one." It's it's got chocolate in it. Chocolate in it. It's got a bath bomb in it sometimes, and it's you keep that box ready to go whenever you need it. But whenever you get into a situation which is at all destabilizing, it makes you warm and go oh, I'm all over the place, etc. Or you're having a stress time, you break out this box and you give yourself some self care. That sounds like the most cliched shit I've ever heard in my life, but. Being about five years older, coming to think of it, five years, four years older, coming to think of it, four years, that's four years ago, love. Um, it is, it is a good idea, isn't it? Like, weirdly enough, what the adults have been saying, for the most part, is right. I mean, some of the thoughts they've been saying is absolute shit, but um, it's been right, you know? And, um, Miss Scott, if you're out there, if you're out there, if you're listening, 
it was a brilliant plan. First aid box. I've got a first aid box. And it's a, it's a sort yourself out kind of vibe. You're not, you, it's not, you, someone doesn't give you that first aid box to sort out. You don't, you don't get given it by your brother, which is like, here is your first aid box. It's something you personally put together to remind you to focus on all these different things you've got going on in your life. Because whether you like it or not, even if you're not doing anything in this current pandemic, you have quite a bit of things going on in your life. Even it's even if it's being a part of someone else's life, you still have a huge parts going on in people's lives. Even if it feels quite depressing because you feel like you haven't gone out in years, and not gonna lie, I agree with you. Um, you have got things which are going on. There's things which are going on around you, and um, in indirectly that affects you. So therefore, yeah, pretty much. So. Um, Really interesting. Oh, my dog started barking. Shut up, you feral creatures. No, I'm joking. They're not feral. I hope they're not feral. I've been sat training them for the past couple of weeks. I've, I've been doing South End dog training. It's all over the world. I've I've got a, another appointment coming up soon, and um, oh, they're just bloody great. I mean, um, anyone who's done it, just go do South End dog training. They they're just my dog used to has bitten me many many times and um now the dogs are just they're just they're just amazing apart from barking to shit when random noises go off but i guess all dogs do that he's he he not really bite is in like bite my fingers he gave us like a couple of warning shots you know he gave us like ah don't do that don't do that left a couple of little puncture wounds he's only a cocker spaniel and um still he gets grumpy around night times but i had this i had a, I had a skype call with Skype call, a Zoom call, with this lady from Southland Dog Training, and it, oh, it just changed, everything just changed, I hand feed my dogs, now I'd recommend you hand feed your dogs, you get them to do tricks, my dog couldn't even barely do sit for me without asking them five times, this dog is now, it can roll around, it can go to a, I say middle, and it runs in between my legs, I say round, and it runs round both my legs, and comes to meet me around on the left side, He's nearly got heel in the bag. They give you. They they don't like. They don't endorse their brand as much. Well, they endorse a bit of their clothing brand, but they lead you to different sites where you can buy good stuff for your dog. It's all like a. It's it's like a no. It's no bullshit really. There's it's not all positive praise all with your dog. It's sometimes you've got to correct them, just like you've got to correct a child, and sometimes you've got to correct yourself, which is very hard for some people to do. You have to correct yourself when it comes to the dog training because you're not always right. Sometimes, for some, all I know, temporally, temporal validity could suggest that Southland dog training could not be around in the next five years because it could see that their training methods are not the right training methods so you come to the question of where do we move to next etc so it's really but that you could say that for any dog trainer really or anything going on unless there's valid evidence which suggests the contrary but oh they've stopped barking now great thank Worcester um Oh, it's really annoying. It's two of them as well. Um, but at the moment, it's working, especially just hand feeding them. It just works great. I mean, I've got a working cocker, and he's the one with the problem. But the other ones, because she's lovely, she just gets away with everything. So therefore, they've got. But they both kind of got problems. And 
we go on evening walks, I suggest an evening walk. I su- an evening walk for you guys, would it sorts yourself out. I mean, after a long day, my other half co- comes home. And because I'm a student, so I'm, I'm home for most of the time. And then I work at the hospital as well now. Um, I work with the Open Uni. If anyone works with Open Uni. I, I say I work with the Open Uni. I do a degree for the Open Uni. I don't work with them. I work in the hospital. but um, And around the hospital. And around the hospitals, I guess, because it's one of three. But, um... Uh... Rah, 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 what was I saying? Completely gone blank. Oh my god. Can't even remember what I was saying. That's a madness, you know. Hospitals and work and stuff. The the ah, oh, literally. Evening walks are lovely. And just go around the block. Just they go around. Dog does a shit, you know, doesn't do it in your garden. You pick it up, you know, plant it in someone else's bin. <laughs> it said black bin, so I guess it doesn't matter. Um I promise I won't do it again though. I'll try not to. Uh, it's my other half's problem, because she'll she'll because they're like these really biodegradable ones. Um, she'll love it, which is what a lot of dog people do. And they cut it. Don't, if you have a dog, don't say you haven't lobbed it before. Well, I know you. I know you. Every dog owner's done it once or twice. Um, but I don't tend to really lob them. 95% of the time I don't lob them, I guess. But anyway, anyway, trivial matters. Um, <laughs> um I guess, I guess if I'm in like, if I'm in like, yeah, like the outback or something, I usually just let my dog just go for shit whenever it likes, really, because what, and wouldn't pick it up, I'd kind of just sort of kick it off into the forest, if I was on a path in, in like the new forest or something, and there was like, there's no one around, that's what I mean, I'd kind of do, but um, I make it sound like I literally just leave it like a biodegradable poo bag just fucking sat in the road. <laughs> I don't do that, I promise. But, <laughs> but um, no, evening walks and and the, the, the dogs just love you so much more, really. They, they do. They love you so much more for some reason when you tell them what to do, which is kind of weird. But when you, when you, when you tell them what to do, you tell them... You tell them um, what you think. What you tell them tricks to do. You correct them. Correcting them consists of a short little, kind of little tug on the lead, and that's not that's not bad for dogs. That's that's just that's just a case of kind of telling them off, I guess. Um, if someone, I I don't know a lot of. You don't shout at them like some parents do with kids, I guess. You just tell them, let's say if they jump on you, you tell them enough. Which is one of the tricks in which you like to teach, uh, in which they like to teach them. It's enough. No, don't jump on you. The dog's like, shit, sorry. They don't come on your bed, on your sofa. The dogs are probably allowed upstairs. so, But they can't come on your bed or sofa because that's a, that's a human's life. That's not a dog's life. And oh, I highly recommend it to everyone because it's just they're amazing. But um, use a slip lead instead of a normal lead. I don't know why, um, but I think it's where normal leads, if the dog pulls a lot, it can cause tracheal damage. And there's been evidence which suggests that that is proof. 
and it's high, highly likely that the dog will just collapse its trachea. Because if you imagine if you've got a collar and then the metal prong bit which you attach the lead to is on the end of the collar, they're literally all the force it exerted on the front of the collar where, there, of course, trachea is. However, if you have a slip lead, and slip leads have block, uh, blockers on them, by the way, so you don't completely grot the dog. You don't completely strangle it to shit, you know. But it has a blocker on it where you can... Where it, it basically, it won't pull anymore. It's like a loop, and you put it around your dog's neck, and then you just pull it a bit tighter, and then it kind of fits around to the dog's neck. And when the dog pulls, it tightens the entire neck rather than just the front of it, which I think is much healthier because is it's 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 doing kind of the same thing, but it's kind of displacing the energy across, uh, across the neck. And it's a bit of a different feeling from a dog to the point of the fact that they don't, they don't want to pull. <laughs> I guess that's why they call them training leads. But yeah, and they don't really want to pull, but... Anyway, today's session uh, today's session is sponsored to you by uh, Coca Cola. No, um, so today's kind of podcast is just that it's an amalgamation of what's kind of been going on. So um, I hope wherever you are listening to this, you first of all don't take what I say to be literal. I'm literally just food for thought here. It, if it's whatever it is. It's just food for thought. I'm just thinking stuff aloud. I'm, I don't always say what I want to say the right way. It may come off as kind of rude, so if it is, just please let me know, I guess. Um, but, of course, there is a discrepancy as to whether you think something's rude and whether something is actually rude. But I guess if you take offence to it, either way, it's going to be rude. So, um, it's just stuff in the air, really. It's food for thought. It's my food for thought, which I'm sharing with you guys, because... I think it's quite nice to hear an average person's food for thought for the day. Food for thought, I mean, is it's just stuff which intrigues you, just all the time, just intrigues you. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I hope you have a pleasant day, whatever you're doing, or evening, or reading. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, my pistachios are gone. Really, I've been quite secret with them, haven't I? I've been. You haven't noticed me much. In the podcast, I've eaten like four pistachios, but weirdly enough, I've eaten like twenty. Like, how do we even notice? I don't even know. Um, I'm gonna go on a leisurely walk with my dogs now. But yeah, it was nice chatting to you a lot. Um, I will, I will see you on the flip side. All right. Cheers.